1: Welcome to episode 5 of The Honor Roll here as part of the Voices of Wrestling Network. My name is Mark Robinson, and you can follow me online on Twitter, at Lithium Project. You can also follow the recently announced and released uh, Honor Roll Twitter account, uh, which you can follow, which I have to still go and find because I can't remember how I put it as. uh, The Honor Roll, V-O-W, you can find that online on Twitter as well. Um, We're doing things a little bit different this week, Uh, not only because we're not doing specifically a, a you know ring of honor branded show but also because i have a very special guest with me uh, you may know him from the voices of wrestling site as well for being kind of a jack of all trades writer um he's done a whole bunch of stuff over there and i'm a big fan of his work uh, sean cedar has uh, is with me for to go through the uh, nwa crockett cup that was on as of this recording last night and sean it's uh, it's a pleasure for you to be here
0: yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's great to be on here too. I was actually pretty surprised when uh, when uh, Rich Kreich in the Slack chat just met, casually mentioned uh, a couple weeks back, or I guess a month ago now, that oh, we're starting this new ROH podcast. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool, that's great. And you know, the last couple of weeks it seems like you've been uh, I feel like you've been a little lonely on your end. So I thought, well, maybe I should uh, should uh, help you out here on one of these shows. Uh, to Make sure you're not doing it all by yourself. Yeah, it was
1: I, – because I, I just uh, – at the end, uh, Rich, because um, we did a podcast together on uh, my other podcast that I have, uh, my video game podcast. He came on at the start of the year, and we went through, like, the, just the history of wrestling video games. And uh, and I messaged him about two, three weeks prior to actually doing the first show. And I was like, hey, Rich, you don't have a, a Ring of Honor-centric podcast on the site, Um and I'm wondering, is it because, like, no one's ever, like, approached you to do one or no one's approached with uh, a format or a style or something that you kind of want to work with? And he just gave me back saying no, that no one's ever actually approached to to do one, which I find fascinating because, um, you know, it's it's one of the the bigger North American promotions. It does have a... a it is a prominent uh, promotion in wrestling as a whole, and I'm considering we even have like an All Elite podcast, which has had one show to this point, and even then it wasn't you know an All Elite wrestling show at that time. I just I found it surprising that no one ever approached to do it, so I figured I'd uh, you know just strap this to my back and uh, and go with it, and I figured the G1 Supercard was the perfect time to do it, and yeah, you know I, I've been holding the ship on mine for the last couple of weeks, but. I've had a couple of people come to me and say, hey, if you ever want uh, a guest to come on or if you want someone to come on and, and help you out, and uh, you were the first one to do it, so uh, being a fan of your work, I was like, absolutely, Sean, you're more than welcome to come on, and uh, here we are. Here we are to talk about the NWA Crockett Cup. We're not even doing a Ring of Honor show. <laughs>
0: well, it's kind of it's kind of Ring of Honor. I mean, yeah, they had it's... Ring of Honor logos all over the show. They certainly so. did,
1: and old-school Ring of Honor logos as well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um... I guess uh, you know before we actually get into the show, what's what's your thoughts and feelings on, on Ring of Ring of Honor as a whole in twenty nineteen so far?
0: Um well I I guess initially I thought they did a much better job than I think any of us were expecting, um, with the new hires that they signed, people like you know, PCO, Bandito, Brody King, uh, Mark Haskins, Tracy Williams, Roosh, obviously. Um and and, and Things seem to be going pretty well with the first couple months. Uh, I I enjoyed the anniversary show back in March. Um, uh, I guess I'm a little bit more concerned, sort of slash weary of what's to come with the lore and mm-hmm. maybe still Enzo and Cass and you know Boy Ray is supposedly taking more power in the company. Not sure how I necessarily feel about that. Um, but yeah, so it's more of just a I guess so. W- at this point, I'm still, you know, invested in sort of the new talent they're bringing in, but as far, I guess as far as the overall direction, it's sort of a uh, wait and see where they go kind of approach.
1: Yeah, I think that definitely um, the last couple of weeks of television, uh, I, I I feel that they're going in the right direction with a lot of the talent that they have. Um, I still think the whole lifeblood stable is is a bit of a. It really feels like they've just thrown a bunch of new guys together, and like I mean, they kind of did that with PCO and Brody King as well. But that seems to have a weird chemistry to it, where the whole lifeblood thing is, it's still not quite clicking with me yet. But in terms of just having all of that talent, and you know, everyone was saying after the final battle that with the mass exodus of the the elite, that that stripped out. This this core part of their roster, but I think I agree with you. They've done a really good job of um, replacing the talent and, and bringing in uh, a, a bunch of kind of fresh faces. And uh, I, you know, as long as they get the book in in the right direction, and that's things we can talk about, uh, I'm I'm pretty confident with, with Ring of Honor in 2019.
0: Yeah, I was actually going to say uh, we'll we'll talk about villain enterprises a little bit later, but I think they've turned out much better than Lifeblood as a stable. I mean, Lifeblood, you look at them; they've already. One's out for several months due to injury and the other one's apparently out of the company now. So um in that regard, Villain Enterprises is Villain Enterprises is doing uh a lot better at this point, for sure.
1: Yeah, and um and also as, as kinda of briefly mentioned there as well, I wanted to get your your thoughts on the whole Enzo Cass thing and like the idea that they're already done with the company because because of the whole nature of this sort of like work-shoot invasion angle, I'm still taking that with a grain of salt that uh, that maybe like someone has kind of passed information to, to Big Dave Meltzer um, that's kind of misleading information and that they're still going to at some point do like another invasion on the company or something.
0: Yeah, well, I guess the, the, the theory for the last couple of years is that I guess Delirious has been sort of theorized as the sort of Meltzer source in ROH, or at least one of them, um, who I guess would feed them the more positive things about Ring of Honor, sort of countering the negative news. Sure. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you would think that story has some links to it, but then again, you have Enzo and uh, Tama Tonga now are going back and forth on Twitter with promos of their own. And honestly, actually, this popped into my mind, um... Recently, because they have the God Briscoe's match coming up in Chicago for a television taping out on the War of the Worlds tour, and the the idea that popped in my head, as a if, if Enzo and Cass are still there as a potential place where they're going, is like I could to- if if they are still with the company or they're still planning to use them, I can totally see them doing at Best in the World in June a three way with Briscoe's God and Enzo and Cass, which. You know, that 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 would be certainly a an interesting match to say the least. That um, would
1: be a thing that exists, and that's about as much as I can say on the concept yeah, of that. But
0: but <laughs> but the Briscoe's GOD match in Chicago just screams to you a match that's gonna end in some bullshit manner, you know, whether Enzo and Cass are involved or not. So um but but, that, but that's my theory at this point. We'll see if I'm right or if, you know, hopefully, thankfully, they they really are done. And honestly, if they are still in ring of honor i mentioned this in the slack chat with the other ew guys but my hope is that uh enzo crashes and burns or does something stupid really early to just get himself kicked out asap yeah um you know obviously he's prone to doing stupid things he's not the he's a very horrible human being
1: well i mean by everything that's been um mentioned between him and then uh, with uh, Cass's leave from WWE last year that it, there's a good chance that it could have been either of them that would have gotten kicked out for uh, behavior issues or saying something to the wrong person but we'll see what happens uh, with, with the following weeks and see if there's any further updates on that hopefully there isn't uh, on to- yeah, I just,
0: I'll, I'll just say that if they are sticking around I would be surprised if they're still in Ring of Honor a year from now uh, yeah
1: absolutely yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on to more positive things to, to discuss. Uh, the Crockett Cup made its return last night, April the 27th, from Concord, North Carolina, uh, presented by NWA with um, cross-promotion between Ring of Honor, CMLL, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, kind of weird in terms of just, uh, like... Ring of Honor had a, a few big shows. They've had a bit of momentum recently, even with some of the the, the negative press that they've had out of the G1 Supercard. But um, between the seven, the the uh, anniversary show, between uh, the G1 Supercard... Uh, masters of the craft um just the week before last um they've had a fair few kind of big shows recently and the television's been pretty good over the last couple of weeks so i was coming into this even though you know it wasn't a full-on ring of honor show i came into this with a uh, a fair amount of expectation to it and i think that also the uh, promotional work between uh nicolas and my skull uh gave this gave the show a fair amount of juice to it that uh, it could have gone just without much conversation, much press, or fanfare um, leading in. Like, how did you feel about the show going in, uh, in terms of the promotion and just kind of how the momentum has been with the television and the uh, the Aldis Skrull stuff?
0: Well, I I do think that they did do a very good job uh, promoting the Nick Aldis murray Skrull match through both uh, both Ted Bounds of Gold and Ring of Honor television. Um, I think there was also just a, a general excitement around the idea of bringing back the Crockett Cup, especially when some of the teams were announced. You know, you had teams of CMLL, you had teams from New Japan in there, you had some Ring of Honor teams. Um, so, as a whole, I think they did a a pretty good job sort of uh, building up to the show. It didn't, to me, it didn't feel like, like you know, major pay-per-view like the 17th anniversary or Supercard or any other regular Ring of Honor pay-per-view, but the anticipation was there, I would say, at least on my end. You know, I I think they did a a pretty good job setting it up, even though they didn't necessarily build up to the actual tournament that much on Ring of Honor's end, in terms of you know, aside from having uh, P.C.O. and Brody King win the tournament, the Tag Wars to get into to, uh, the Crocker Cup, and then the Briscoes won their qualifying match on TV. So uh, they they didn't do a ton of building up on TV for the actual tournament, but. On their end, I think they did do, uh, I guess, the, the adequate amount, uh, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah. Um, the the way this show was uh, presented, um, it it felt, it, you know, it kind of felt like you had tuned into a wrestling show from the 1980s. Um, you know, Jim Cornette was there, although he was a little bit greyer now. Um, the, the ring mat was, you know, kind of very old school looking with just a, a plain NWO uh, in yellow Uh, letters uh, on the the Ring 8 mat itself. Um, Ring of Honor had the the old-school logo as well, which obviously isn't the 80s, but hey, you know, they were kind of presenting their own uh, old-school take on things. The uh, the entrance was very basic, just kind of black curtains you could come through. But there was like a board uh, at the back of the the arena. Um, the overall like presentation, uh, like technically everything was there. I think there was maybe one minor uh, musical miscue during the the women's match. But overall, I think that the presentation, even though it was kind of more like old school, it still felt like it still was absolutely presentable. It's something you could definitely present in twenty nineteen to like a modern wrestling fan. Uh, what did you think of that overall?
0: yeah I, I thought the the uh, the setup and the presentation was pretty great overall. Uh, there were I guess a few minor at least on my end, there were a few a couple of video glitches maybe once or twice here and there. but other than, like as it turns like the actual setup, the setup was actually really cool. like you said, the ring, just the the, the ambiance and the whole atmosphere of it just felt like uh Now, i am I'm someone who I haven't watched a ton of that sort of wrestling from the 80s or really much wrestling from the 80s. But well, I know what that looks like on my mind because I've yeah. seen clips of it. So, in in that respect, I think they did a great job, sort of trying to best capture the atmosphere of a you know late '80s Jim Crockett show in the Carolinas. So, I think on that end, they, for me anyway, they definitely get a A plus on that one.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, it was it felt like an '80s show. Just it was in HD, and there were less mullets in the crowd, and uh, <laughs> both those positives as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we had Joe Galley, Ian Riccoboni, and Jim Connett on commentary. And uh, we can talk about the commentary throughout the show. But I think that um, it really is – it's such a—it's so refreshing when you hear just a, a solid commentary team that doesn't heavily emphasize, like, a, a Hill Cullen commentator or commentators that just aren't actually talking about what's going on in the ring. And for all of the, the things that you can say about Jim Connett in 2019, and there's a lot that can be said um, – Him as a commentator, like he knows what he's there to do and he's there to get the products over. And we, I've been watching MLW with him on, and he does, you know, even if he's not as aware on some of the wrestlers, um, he definitely does his homework to make sure he has things to talk about. And even if he doesn't have much to talk about in terms of the actual wrestler, he talks about the story in the ring. Uh, And I think that, um, just having to deal with bad commentary up and down the the wrestling world in different aspects uh i i think that overall this was a really strong night in terms of commentary
0: yeah i would definitely say that as well uh though i i will say that i was initially a little um i don't know what the word for it was but i was i was very surprised to see jim cornette in sort of an roh affiliated thing again based is on true. how his that is uh, true his run in, you know, 2011, 2012, where he was more in charge of the company. But um, as others have pointed out, most notably, I think Joe Lanza has said this a lot in his TV reviews on the VOW Patreon. I think Cornette has done a really good job on commentary since coming into MLW. And I think he did a really solid job on this show, uh, as, did, as did Ian Ricabani and the uh, the NWA commentator who escaped my name at the moment. But yeah, no, commentary along with the, uh, the whole step and everything that was it was really good and they all did a pretty good job I thought. Very serious. No, you know no joking around or heelish stuff like that. Just straight commentary. Yeah, I think uh,
1: certainly I you know, when Cornet was there and then you you do think about his time with Ring of Honor, but I think that just the fact that this was the the Crockett Cup, um I don't think we'd have imagined how much you know. You could have had TNA involved, and I think that Jim Cornette would have still been involved with this as long as Russo wasn't attached. Uh, I, I think you would have seen uh, Cornet on this in in this capacity one way or the other. Um, we opened up with a, a tag team battle royal uh, to qualify for the the, the the last bracket of the tournament. And uh, the participants involved were uh, Dalton Castles, the boys, uh, Will Ferreira and Rhett Titus, uh, not labelled as the dogs here, but they were there. Uh, Royce Isaacs and Thomas Latimer, also known as Bram in TNA, uh, Jay Bradley and Josephus, and Zane and Dave Dodson. And uh, I think I think there are more. I don't know. A lot of these names, a lot of these tag teams, I'm not overly familiar with. Um, I don't know what your uh, knowledge on some of the the lesser-known names here were, Sean. Um, But this was a battle royal. It existed. Uh, I've seen a number of battle royals this year that have all had the same thing of the tip, the personal team that won it were hiding under the ring or outside the ring, came in to eliminate the last team that thought they'd won. I think we've seen that about four or five times this year now in different battle royals. Um, this existed.
0: Yeah, I think it's fair to say that anything that's not the over-the-budget battle royal from all in is either just average or bad, um, or I guess just there. And this one was just there. Um, it was surprising that they had the dogs together. It, it was, to my understanding, they were sort of broken up. Because Bret Titus has been doing his, his bodybuilding gimmick. So I thought, you know, it, it, I was surprised to see them in there. Well, they um, had
1: they had that moment in the uh, right, on a Rumble, uh, which got no pop whatsoever, but
0: no, <laughs> it was <no>. there. <laughs> um, wasn't too familiar with the Dawson brothers. Uh, one thing that did strike me was Josephus, now, I, I hadn't seen him in a while, but I, I do know that he, um, I think it was on the NWA pop-up show in January, he had a match with David Arquette where he got his head shaved and he used to have long hair, he used to look like, Bro uh I think something like a Bruiser Brody, sort of that sort of look. But he looked, when I first saw him, I, I honestly could not believe that that was Josephus. He looks, he looks totally different and he looks so just like, at least with his like uh, Brody Oh, Bruiser Brody, like cosplay look, he looked, he stood out a little bit. Now he just looks like a, he just looks like a guy. Mm. I don't know. Um, and, you know, was surprised at the winner, the winners of this match. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we can,
1: we can talk about them and that, I guess, throughout the evening. Um, but yeah, right. your, your, your winners were Royce Isaacs and Thomas Latimer. Uh, now I'm more aware of Latimer, um, as I used to watch, uh, FCW back in the day when he was part of the Ascension, um, in their original formation as this weird, like kind of matrix, goth, blade, vampire sort of gimmick before they became
0: he, whatever the yeah, fuck they he, are now. Yeah, he was part of the Ascension. I remember one of them, it might've been, uh, Connor, one of them more like the sort of, it looks like sort of a piranha shoulder dress thing it was very strange just looking at it in photos but yeah i like easy to forget that yeah bram was in the ascension at yeah one point.
1: those it was those two Shaw guerrero and i want to say it was like a primo or epico i can't remember which one uh and why i remember that in 2019 don't ask um but yeah he's obviously um like the likes of enzo and Cass. he is a, a, a problematic figure um But he he was as part of the NWA in this tournament, and uh, spoiler alert, they got to the finals. um, And not really deserving for a number of reasons, as we'll talk about as the show goes on. Uh, Royce Isaacs Isaacs, I don't really know anything of. He kind of, again, he kind of felt like a bit of a guy. Um, He didn't really show me anything throughout this entire uh, uh, pay-per-view. I don't know if you know anything more about him, but he's not someone I'm overly familiar with.
0: Well, let me ask you, well, I guess before Royce Isaacs, let me ask you this. I, I had this theory when I heard that Bram was on this show. Does, does he, to you, does it, does he feel like that he was sort of a, a Nick Aldis guy that he probably had a hand to bringing in? Because I know Billy Corgan has sort of a soft spot for former TNA guys, like, that were there around the time that he was with the company. But I, I feel like, I could be wrong, but I feel like um, Bram is... Close with nick aldis or friends with nick aldis so i, I feel like that maybe him being on the show as sort of a nick aldis sort of hey you know my friend booked here uh could be wrong though but that's just that's um
1: just i'm not open. sure i'm not overly familiar with um
0: well they probably would have known each other because they were both in tna or around the same time they
1: let me see because aldis left in what like 2014
0: or so I think he was there a little longer because I think yeah, because twenty fourteen was when he was world champion. I'm pretty sure. Oh man, it's.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, you're probably right, yeah, because Styles would have left around about 2014, They went to New Japan around that time, so, know, yeah, I suppose that, that matches yeah, up. Yeah, I'm
0: pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that both were there around that era where they were doing tapings in the Manhattan Center, sure, like, sure. The, beat, the the Beatdown Clan, and all that stuff, I think they were all there around that time.
1: Um, I mean, there's, there's probably a chance that they've run in similar circles, like, I couldn't say for, for certain um, what that, were... that's,
0: that's just my guess, though.
1: Yeah, possibly, um, possibly. Um,
0: as far as uh, Royce Isaacs goes, the the only other exposure I had to him was actually at WrestleMania weekend, on the DDT show of all places, where he teamed with Joey Ryan against uh, Dan Dino and Antonio Honda, and they have one of those um, uh, traditional DDT you know comedy matches. I think uh, I think the match ended, or one of the ending spots was Isaac's taking a taking. Basically, uh, I think somebody put Joey Ryan's blow pop up and told it or not. No, they took Joey Bryan's blow pop. I'm trying to remember this right. They took his blow pop. They they stuck it up uh, Dino's ass and then put it in Isaac's mouth. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Um, but it's funny. He was on that show in that match. And then he ends the month on the o- totally opposite end of the spectrum on a, what's supposed to be a super serious uh show at the crockett cup but again based on that ddt show that i was at you know i thought you know isaac's you know he's teamed with Joey ryan he must be a comedy guy um but you know he was on the show he's in a sort of a serious like more serious heel role um so yeah i don't really know much about isaac's beyond seeing him in ddt in new york city and this show
1: yeah and i didn't really feel by the end of it i i knew too much more About him, but you know, we'll we'll have more to talk about as as the mic goes on. Uh, The Crockett Cup round one uh, we started off with Flip Gordon and Bandito representing Ring of Honor as they defeated the team of Stuka Jr. and Grower Mayer Jr. from CMLL. Uh, And I really, really like this match and I. I've been saying, uh, I think I said on the first week uh, when I did the preview for the G1 Supercard that I was worried about Bandito in Ring of Honor and him being able to, you know, really get a chance to shine and showcase himself. Um, And for the last three or four weeks now, he's been my favorite, like, performer on every single show that I've watched. Uh, I just, I love watching him perform and the fact that he's so young and still has such confidence and such an awe and presentation about him. Um... He just he just stood out in this match for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, Vendito's been great, and even though he's sort of taken a, a couple of higher profile losses since he's joined Ring of Honor, mainly on the pay per views, he's you know he's pretty much won everything else. And again, aside from those one or two losses, they've done a pretty good job booking him. I and mean, he even pinned I think he pinned Bully Ray at one point on the show back in January. So yeah, it was it was okay. the
1: loss to Ruse uh, a few weeks ago that had me. Uh about a month ago that had me worried that they kind of had him in a certain peck in order but
0: yeah see i i, I feel like a lot of people were surprised by that but i really wasn't because i i figured from the get-go that roosh you oh, know yeah. they they see him as a main event guy and from the second that match was announced i was like oh yeah roosh is totally winning this match Oh,
1: definitely definitely
0: um but no yeah bandino's been great um yeah yeah he's just been awesome and they'll be interesting to see where he sort of goes from here whether they sort of now I know he has a match with uh Flip Gordon coming up, but maybe they'll keep the tag team with Flip Gordon going cuz they seem to they seem to gel a little bit in their two matches. Um but yeah, um I just hope Bandito can do some great things in Ring of Honor and we'll see uh how he does in the coming months. Uh
1: I really appreciated that uh Jim Cornette managed to give the history of CMLL in about a minute. Um that's right. pretty impressive mm-hmm. to be able to condense down <laughs> the entire issue of uh, the world's oldest wrestling promotion um and this is my first time seeing Stuka Jr and Guerrero Maya Jr uh, and i think they i think they won over the crowd by the end uh, the crowd was really hot for this i have no idea on um the actual capacity of this venue um it didn't look from like the opening shots where we saw where the commentary were it didn't look like it was um you know a, a, a massive audience by any means, but they must have liked it well' uh during this match they were they were really hot for it, and uh this was one of the more lively matches of, of the night as a whole. Uh, I really enjoyed this match
0: yeah, I know r o h has run this venue um for a couple of years. It's one of the it's a it's a larger venue, but they never they've never really built it that much um i think the, I think the capacity is somewhere around like two thousand or a little bit more than that. But they never do. They've never done more than a thousand in that building, and it, it, it was kind of a little hard to tell because they, you know, they had the lighting dark to sort of give it that ambiance of an old school show. But no, yeah, I, I feel like with all the CMLO guys that come over, with the exception with the exception of maybe, you know, somebody like Dragon Lee, it feels like they never, they almost never get a reaction when they come out. But by the time the match goes on, as it progresses, they eventually win the crowd over. Um, I remember that happened on a New York show that I went to where Ultimo Guerrero was on, where he didn't get that much of a reaction, but then he did a couple cool spots. And then as soon as that stuff happened, everyone was doing the raising the roof thing with Ultimo Guerrero, and they were all into his match. So, um, yeah, yeah, I I guess it's a little weird in that way. And I guess it just shows that not that many people, at least in the Ring of Honor Honor fan base, are paying that much attention to uh, CMLL. Uh, but as far as the match itself goes, you know, I thought it was great. Uh, for me, it was probably the match of the night. Um, Gordon and Bandito, again, like I said earlier, they did a really good job as a team. Uh, the spot that Stuka Jr. does, it, it works better, I think, in tag matches like this, where he's on the top rope and it looks like he's about to dive to the inside, but then he fakes you out and does the dive to the outside. That, that's always a very cool spot and a spot that always gets me every time I see it. Um, I will say it comes off better in tag matches where there's, you know, two people instead of one. Um, and Graham Jr. was pretty good as well. Um, I seen him a couple of times in Ring of Honor, but I think this was his best outing of the stuff that I've seen. But, uh, no, yeah, I thought this match was great. There's a lot of really cool spots. And yeah, like I said, it was probably, probably my match of the night.
1: He's he's moved the the Mayan sacrifice looks fucking devastating and uh, it's
0: that shoulder breaker thing. It's right?
1: like a kind of trap butterfly shoulder breaker sort yeah. of move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if no one's ever seen that before, I imagine that will be like the move of twenty nineteen by the time you know anyone else sees it. Because uh, I'm surprised it's not been ripped off elsewhere. Uh, yeah, I could definitely. I'd be more than happy to see uh, flip and Bandido tag more going forward. Um, and if at some point, if we end up with uh, Lethal and Gresham winning the tag titles at some point, I was like, yeah, give me that match. I'll, I'll take well, that. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, uh, we had the War Kings, which is the team of Crimson and Jack Dane up against uh, the team of Royce Isaacs and Tom Latimer. And uh, like the Battle Royal, uh, this was just there. Um, I've not seen Crimson since his days in TNA slash Impact, um he was just you know, he had a presence about him. I quite enjoyed him and an amazing red for the time they had together. Um but he's never exactly been uh, a workhorse by any means. Um and by the end of this match, uh, you know, just the, the, the shenanigans at the end were what you'd expect really from you know, what this team of Isaacs and latimer are gonna be as as the the real kind of heavy heel team in this tournament. Um but uh it was really a lot of juice to this one.
0: Yeah the the only the only real interesting thing to note is that uh, I don't know if you saw uh, did you see Crimson and Jacks uh in their run in TNA when they were sort of in the middle of that GFW transition? Or... I
1: I avoided that whole fucking nonsense during that time because it okay. was just a mess. <laughs>
0: so I was gonna say do you do you remember what their team name was? It wasn't the War Kings. It was something else. Uh
1: no, I we could be here all, for a while. So
0: amusing. It, that it me. was. Their, their initials were actually V.O.W. Really? Yeah, they, were, they were the veterans of war. And I think they were doing a, a military, like, babyface U.S. military okay, gimmick. That, that name
1: actually does ring a bell. No yeah, name, so, they were,
0: they were yeah. feuding with LAX for a little bit. But, yeah, no, I just thought that was funny. You know, that They did the whole thing where they were, oh, they're V.O.W. Um, but, yeah, th- I, this match wasn't very good. Um, I, I was surprised that Crimson and Jackstein lost. They were the first team to qualify on that uh, NWA pop up show in January. They seemed like an NWA team, so I thought you know they would go over. And you have you know uh, Jack Dane, who's a former NWA champion. I thought they were an easy lock to go to the next round, but uh, obviously not. They chose to go with Royce Isaacs and uh, and Bram. Um, you know, I, I guess I guess it was just good to establish them as heels with their cheap win, but.
1: Yeah, n- not much to it, really. No, um, I'm going to move swiftly on because I, I have nothing further to add than that. Um, Cornet announces the Rock and Roll Express who come out, who um, who had one of my favorite matches over WrestleMania weekend um, against uh, the team of LAX. And, uh, you know, they came out and uh, the Rock and Roll Express was just talking about, you know, how excited they were to be there and how this is like the one thing that's avoided them during their careers. Uh, this was followed by the Briscoes coming out, who were full on hill for this. Who just, uh, I thought the Briscoes were just fucking phenomenal uh, for the for the two matches they were here for this night. Uh, I've I've heard people talking about how like the Briscoes are kind of a bit a, a bit of a tired act at this point, and like they can't wrestle to the level that they once could. But uh, I, I think the Briscoes are still phenom- phenomenal um, as both characters and wrestlers. Uh, and you know this spilled into the actual match itself. We started off with a fucking Horror by Ricky Morton, who, uh, what are we? We're talking in the 60s and been able to hit moves like that. You know, I'm 31 and I can't do half the shit that these two could do. (laughs) Um, You know, this only went about seven minutes, but for the seven minutes, this felt like a full-out sprint. and, And even though the Rock and Roll Express, they looked a little bit tired by the end uh i this was i i was thoroughly entertained by this uh, and i could like i could go for another tag i could go for another round of these two
0: yeah this was this was perfectly fun and entertaining while it lasted you know they it seemed like after the fact or i guess in hindsight that they told the basic rock and roll express tag formula story where i think it was i think it's written they start off hot. That the Ricky Morton gets isolated. Then he makes the hot tag to Robert Gibson, who I guess Robert Gibson was only in the match. It felt like like legally for like thirty seconds, maybe. Um, but no, the, the 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 formula worked. They got the crowd into it. The Briscoes, you know, it's, it's funny that they people mentioned the Briscoes are you know slowing down, and yet you have Mark Briscoe doing corkscrew moonsaults to the floor. I don't know, right? Sure, yeah, 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 sure. They're slowing down. Um, but no, no, yeah, this was, for what this was, this was perfectly entertaining, and, you know, the Brescoes got the win as they should have.
1: I will say the, the rocket launcher looked a little bit iffy, and I was yeah. I was curious to see how this match was mm-hmm. ended, because I was like, there's no fucking way this is ending with a doomsday device, and uh, fortunately this ended with, a, 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 fair enough, a DVD, which was uh, still pretty intense to watch, and uh, a froggy bow. Um, but yeah. yeah, I don't think I don't think uh, King
0: Morton was taking the J Drawler. Oh my god!
1: Can you? Well, I mean, fucking, they were pulling off Canadian destroyers over Mania weekend, so. I well, don't... there's a
0: difference between hitting a move and taking a move on on your head, I
1: guess. I suppose, I suppose, in the grand scheme of things, but <laughs> uh, wrestling's really weird sometimes. Uh, no, this is cool, uh, and this definitely set up the Briscoes as like the kind of even more so more the the prominent like. Uh, Bram and Isaacs didn't get anywhere near the kind of hill reaction that the Briscoes got. Certainly after this match and uh, their the second round match as well. And uh, yeah, I still, um, uh, I, I still love the Briscoes. I, I, oh yeah. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: anyone saying that they're they're done or they're washed up or they they have nothing left to offer, I can kind of see from the aspect that you know they have done everything there is to be done in Ring of Honor. But uh, they're still just fucking great, you know.
0: Yeah, they, they can have great matches when they want to. That, that, that's for sure.
1: Uh, next up in the match that I was most looking forward to, because just look at this fucking match on paper. Villain Enterprises of PCO and Brody King against the team of Satoshi Kojima and Yuji Nagata. Um, I'm going to let you take the floor with this one, Sean, because every time I read that, I get this big grin on my face and I just I start cackling in my head at like, who the fuck put this match together? Because I need to go and shake their hand.
0: Yeah, who who would have ex- expected on January 1st that we would have been getting this match in the Crockett cup um no this this was this is a lot of fun um I'd probably put it behind uh the the first uh first round match and so I guess I would say it was the second best match of the first round and I think it might have been my second favorite match of the actual tournament um behind the, the flip Gordon bandito match from earlier but no this was this is a lot of fun just seeing seeing nagata in there and then seeing kojima go back and forth with uh with a pco it just it just makes you want to see pco in new japan and i hope that happens at some point before the end of the year so that'd be that'd be incredible just to see how people in japan would react to pco but no yeah this was this is a lot of fun hard-hitting match um it got me excited to see kojima and nagata on the uh war of the world shows yeah
1: definitely yeah, I'm not saying that I want PCO in the G1, but I kind of want PCO no, in the G.
0: No, <laughs> I don't think he would survive a G1.
1: Ah, oh, look, fucking Tenzan's still him at this point, and he's you know as broken down as you can get. Um, yeah, this is just very heavy hitting. Like you've got four just big stiffs going out there, and um, you know, just throwing bombs, throwing chops, left, right, and centre. Um. Just the kind of wrestling that I really enjoy, and I've said before, like I'm with Lanza that Kojima is just one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. uh he has a charisma that just gravitates towards me, he has a physicality that I enjoy um
0: yeah but- i, I would I would agree you know i i've haven't seen as much of a Kojima's past as sort of like you have or Joe Lanza had have um but when I first got into New Japan in twenty thirteen Kojima immediately jumped out as someone who was one of my favorite guys. He just, I don't know, it was just something about him that I was attracted to. And I I've, always, I've I always liked him ever since I saw him for the first time.
1: I can't remember if it was 2012 or 2013, but he had a G1 match against uh, Shibata. And he hit this clothesline towards the end of the match where he just turned Shibata inside out. And I remember Liger was on commentary and he pissed himself laughing because it was just the <laughs> fucking Just the stiffest lariat. And uh, I remember at that time I was like, I like this guy. I'm going to watch him. I enjoy uh,
0: That him. sounds incredible. Yeah. But yeah, no, this match wasn't, it wasn't like blow away, but it was a lot of fun. And given who was involved, it was probably about as good as you would have expected.
1: Yeah. And again, and I, I think we can probably talk about this here, but this team of villain enterprises, like when it was first announced that they were joining Skull in this kind of sort of sh- ragtag uh, stable of just like, oh, here's two guys that we've just brought in. Let's put them together. You know, it, it did kind of stick out in a similar way to Lifeblood, but these two have found this weird fucking chemistry since the start of the year, and or, or late last year. Um, and between like this, between that street fight on, on the anniversary show, uh, I, I really like these. Villain Enterprises, by the end of the year, if they keep this up, and fuck knows if PCO can keep up this kind of wrestling style to the end of the year. They're going to be one of my top three, top five tag teams of the year.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think if they were able to keep this up through, you know, through the end of the year, you could definitely say that. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it's so weird, you know. At the time, it seemed like the stable was meant to be sort of both for Marty Skrull as a leader. But really, uh, Brody King and PCO have gotten a lot more out of this group than even Marty has. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they just won. And God bless PCO, you know, it, it was a it was an interesting signing at the time because it, you know, it, it sort of, I think when he was, when it was announced, I feel like a lot of people, or at least people who have followed ring of honor for a long time sort of had the feeling of, well, yeah, that sounds cool, but it feels like they're, you know, taking advantage of something six months too late. Oh, that's typical ring of honor. But PCO is just seeing even more success in signing. I mean, he's held three titles at this point. He was in an IWGP tag title match at MSG, you know he's been, you know, feel like it felt like he was on his fifteenth minute of fame, or I guess his fourteenth minute of that fifteen minutes. But um, he's he's gotten honestly even better. But he's gotten just more popular, and he's seen even more success in 2019 than he did in 2018. It's really been incredible just to see his meteoric rise, just from you know not uh, honestly, you know, in 2018, who how many people even like knew that PCO was still wrestling? Yeah. Uh, and then he just shows up on spring break, has that match with Walter. And then a year later, he's in Madison square garden. And then a and month now, after and, that, he's held three different tag titles. And now in, he's got like, a, a
1: ring on a world title shot coming up as well.
0: Yes. Yes. It's, it's been, his rise has been incredible and the chemistry between him and Brody King, you know, again, weird stable. He didn't think, he didn't know how they would work as a team, but it's, for some reason it's just clicked. It's just really worked.
1: Uh, next up, uh, Medusa arrives because uh, uh, she's out to present the winner of the uh, vacant NWA Women's Championship match. So this is originally meant to be uh, the women's champ at the time, Jazz, against Alison Kay. Uh, Jazz had to uh, vacate the title for, I believe, his is, uh, personal reasons. Uh, I haven't seen anything more about that at the moment. I think,
0: I think the tweet that she put out had personal reasons and an injury of some kind as well. Uh, so it might it might have been a little bit well
1: yeah, uh, which is unfortunate to see, you never like to, to see that um, but as a replacement we had uh, Santana Garrett uh, turn up so um, this match was okay uh, to be honest, I've, I've seen a lot better from Alison Kane, definitely Santana Garrett uh, I think that I don't want to say she was having an off night here, um, but I feel like I've definitely seen better from her over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this ended with Alison Kay uh, winning. Um, couldn't say if that was what the original intention was going to be. Um, I definitely think that if she was going to win, it would have been better if she if she'd got it from Jazz, just because Jazz has held that belt for, for some time now. Um, but, yeah, this um, – it was okay. I mean, obviously this was a, a million times better than the – match we saw at G1 Supercard with uh, Kelly Klein. Um I'm sorry that I have to keep bringing up Kelly Klein and that match on every single show mm. but god damn that match was horrendous. Um so if we're grading on a curve this was a five-star match.
0: Yeah, um I guess the replacement uh Santana Garrett that did make some sense cuz she was a former uh NWA Women's Champion. So I liked that the fact that they sort of kept that the the, the replacement made logical sense. Um and yeah the the match was perfectly fine. Um it was it was just okay. You know just a 9 minute, you know, average women's match. Uh though I must say the, the uh, I don't know if you talked about the Medusa promo but that that came off very very awkward. Medusa was not very good at all.
1: I I, I tried th- to forget about it as soon as it it happened.
0: Yeah, it was... She, she, it was just it was just a bad it was just weird she was looking at her phone half the time i guess trying to read off her promo i i don't know it just looked really weird and it just sort of it just sort of felt like that they yeah i don't i don't know it just it was just very odd and a very bad promo on her end. it kind of felt uh, like you'd
1: been put together at the last minute uh um, yeah yeah
0: it did. Mm-hmm. but again the, the match itself was was okay i guess and uh these two they, they could probably have a better match if they had, I guess more time to prepare for it, uh, but they would certainly be much better people in the Women of Honor division than someone like Kelly Klein, but um but yeah, no, I, I guess the result wasn't that surprising. no I think even, I think even if if Jazz had been there, I, I feel like Allison Kaye was going to win, um, but you know, we don't know that because she was hurt.
1: Yeah, uh, Kay ended up winning with um, what she calls the big D. It's a spinning lariat, and I, I don't know. I think she could find a more effective finisher. It doesn't. It doesn't. Her version of a spinning lariat doesn't have as as much impact as, like, say, I, I want to say Luke Harper, but that seems like a bit of an unfair comparison to make. But you know, um, she needs to get a little bit more oomph into that move. Um, but yeah, it, this I, was this was fine.
0: I was I wasn't really expecting that to be the finish. I mean, that's because no. I don't know what her finisher was. It, no, was just, it was just, she hit a clothesline, oh, the match is over, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I and mean, sometimes she can have a flash pin like that, but that didn't feel like a flash pin. It definitely did kind of come out of nowhere because it just didn't have as much impact as you want. Um, she should have been talking to, to, to Kojima beforehand. He could have shown like, up. <laughs> there's a certain way you have to hit it. Uh, we had uh, Caprice Common. Uh, With my Midnight Express, uh, Stan Lane, Bobby Eaton, and Dennis Condry. Uh, And this was here basically to announce that uh, Dennis Condry had beaten his battle with cancer. So uh, this was a nice moment.
0: Yeah, yeah, nothing wrong with it. Not much you can say. It's cool that he beat cancer.
1: Yeah, uh, and you know, we we had a a fair number of NWA slash WCW guys kind of showing up throughout the show. And um, yeah, I'm always happy to, to. you know, have moments like this where guys are gonna come out and um, just hey, you know, here's Stan Lane, here's Bobby, and his Dennis Gondry and uh, wrestlers of that era that are still alive because uh, they're falling thick and fast. And uh, you know, um, it, it was really nice like later on when we saw uh, Magnum T A come out because you know, whenever I I think about Magnum T A and the potential and just. The, the tragedy of that backstory, I guess, um, and everything oh, yeah. that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, uh, even though, obviously, I didn't grow up watching Magnum TA, that one, that one always kind of gets to me, I guess. Um, but anyway, we, we move on from there. So we had our first semi-final uh, matchup of the Crocket Cup, where Flip Gordon and Beando- Bandido uh, took on Royce Isaacs, and I'm just going to call him Bram from now on. And it, it's kind of amazing, the contrast between the first match of Flip Gordon and Bandido <coughs> and this match, because... Uh, boy Isaacs and Bram really fucking dragged this thing down
0: yeah yeah that that's pretty much the story of, of their whole run in this tournament they just they just dragged everything down that they were involved in um yeah they had a, a Gordon and Medito had a bunch of you know high-paced offense at one point and I guess they tried to sort of indicate that Medusa who I guess was still at ringside would gave uh Latimer and Isaacs some advice and which I don't know if that really played into the match that much because they only took control it barely on, did it barely again. did the only the only reason why they won is because Flip Gordon hurt his knee on a 450 and that was that led to the finish so it it seemed weird pairing her with Isaacson Bram and I, I guess she she did come out with them later for the uh, the finals of the tournament but. Unless uh, this whole, like, little unit thing that they got going on is going to continue in other forms with the NWA, it just seemed a weird inclusion, I guess, to that that whole last-minute, like, heel act that they were doing.
1: Yeah. I I did enjoy... um... Gordon, you know, selling the knee after the 450, playing up the fact that um, this was the venue that he originally injured his knee last year, right? and, and Cornet was really kind of building up on that as well, so I liked that connection, um, that was kind of the highlight of this match, um, but we also did see Flip Gordon and Bandito Floss, which immediately makes them heel for me, and um, that was kind of the, the real low point of this show oh, for me.
0: Flip was the only really was the only one who really did the floss. Bandito like tried, or at least gave a half effort. But
1: I, I can at least appreciate that maybe he only ever, you know, I can definitely see Flip Gordon playing uh, Fortnite. I, I can see that Bandito probably isn't really aware of what flossing is, and was shown backstage beforehand. Um, I
0: didn't even know that Flossing was from Fortnite. I just thought it was like a dance
1: I, I, that people came well, up with. I think it's from Fortnite. I, it's it's most probably known I'm from Fortnite. Sure,
0: I'm pretty sure it's from Fortnite. I just didn't know that there, were, there was that connection. Um, but, you yeah, know, it was... It was whatever. It was what it
1: was. <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, Isaacs and Bram, uh, I think here is where what you said about maybe there's some connection with him and Nick Aldis. This is where you would see that come through because under any other circumstances, why the fuck would you have, not have Flip Gordon and Bandido go through to the finals? Um, maybe it's just they didn't want to have two Ring of Honor teams in the finals, which I can kind of understand. Um, but uh, I'm not going to say fuck this match, but you know just Fuck the team that won this match. And I mean, all...
0: when 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 Flip Gordon and Bandito were on offense, it was it was actually not not that bad. But the other way around, not so much.
1: Yeah, it kind of reminded me of the uh, the women's tag match that was on from the week before last, I think, um, where uh, Sumisukai and, and uh, Iwatani. Like when they were on offense, the match was fine. When they were having to sell, and the, the other team were on offense, it, 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 no, it was not good. So, uh, our last semi-finals match, uh, the Briscoes and Villain Enterprises. Um, I'm straight up, I can watch these two tag teams. If they want to wrestle every week for the rest of the year, I can watch these two teams go. Um, again, I thought their anniversary match, that street fight, was one of the most fucking violent, wonderful spectacles I've seen in some time. Um, and, you know, just kind of made Brody King and PCO stars in the night, effectively, for me. And... Uh, it's kind of weird watching these two teams and kind of weird watching Villain Enterprises in just kind of straight tag matches because it feels like everything they've been involved in recently has been some form of a street fight. Uh, But even just as a straight-up tag match, uh, these two teams have really good chemistry.
0: Yeah, um, honestly, you know, part of me wants these two teams to fight the cage match, but then at another point, that might not be the best idea because I can just imagine PCO... He's going to kill himself. Yeah, he's would legitimately die in that match uh by doing like some crazy dive off the cage and like breaking back
1: or something he will sit up afterwards because he's insane
0: yeah then then again he did take that crazy bump in (sighs) that in uh, msg yeah he's he's nuts he's nuts but no yeah these two teams have really good chemistry together and i i mentioned this sort of I think I tweeted this out during the anniversary show or shortly thereafter, but it just feels like the Briscoes love working with PCO. It just feels like that, you know, they were very happy that, he, that you know, once they were sort of, or once PCO, Brody King got signed and they were, and it made a tag team there, it's just seemed like all those, it just seems like they would be guys who would be really excited to uh, work with PCO, especially after all the buzz that, and the crazy, the crazy stuff he's done over the last year. Before I got signed with Ring of Honor, but no, nah, even though this match ended in a DQ, I I thought it was really good. Um, probably the third best match of the tournament. I would even go to say, uh, just really good stuff. These two just teams just work you know really well together. Um, honestly, I, I wish it would have had a clean finish, um, but you know I guess maybe they wanted to protect the Briscoes because they have a tag title match coming up with God. Not really sure, but. You know, even, again, even with the DQ, this was still very good and still pretty enjoyable.
1: I, I think that so I was fine with them doing the DQ um, because it was the only one in on the tournament, and you know I'm fine with them protecting the Briscoes. I think that the actual execution of it was a little bit clunky. Um, uh, all four guys had chairs. They brought them into the ring, um, and I think it was Mark Briscoe kind of dragged the ref towards him, and Jay went to swing a chair and ended up. Um, getting clocked with a chair, and then Mark came and clocked. Um, I think it was PCO, and it just it, it looked a bit clunky. Like they they could have done this another way that just looked a bit cleaner, I guess. Um, but they got to the point they needed to get to. But everything before that, yeah, just just uh, f- fair fucks the PCO for for wrestling three times this night as well. And even though the last match didn't go that long, um, for a man of his age to to wrestle that style, the way he wrestles. Um, it's just its completely insane, and you know, we've already spoken about it. Um, but again, the you know, Briscoes are having a, a sneaky, underrated year for me, I feel. And uh, I really hope that we see these two teams uh light up again at some point. And yeah, definitely, I think that they could definitely do a cage match. And um, God bless PCO for whatever stupid thing he decides to do in that match.
0: Yeah, yeah, I really hope that they. Do sort of continue this feud, and the, the finish would lead you to indicate that they are going to continue it in some form at some point. Maybe after you know the Briscoes are done with whatever they're doing with God and, and even end zone Cast or whatever. Uh, let's shh.
1: We don't we don't mention their names. They're, <laughs> they're, they are the Voldemort of this podcast. Uh, Post match, the Briscoes attacked uh, and they pulmonized PCO's arm. Um, and Jay just went on one of his tirades that he does, and just saying basically "fuck the NWA." And he was out there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I feel like this is something they can come back to with the Briscoes, depending on how they whatever relationship continues between Ring of Honor and NWA. But it definitely feels like something that they're going to come back to. I don't know whether in terms of. Uh, them doing more stuff with the nwa but definitely doing something more with uh with villain enterprises uh next up we had the nwa national championship on the line as the champion willie mack took on colt cabana um first of all sean i i need to express this i need to get this out my system Uh, i think that the national championship itself is a fucking horrendous looking belt um i it's, it's one of the uglier belts I've seen made in some time. I don't know if you agree with me. I don't know if you have any thoughts or feelings on this. I don't know if you've ever had to talk about belts before, but it's, it's not a particularly attractive-looking belt.
0: Yeah, it, it, it certainly seems like outside of the NWA world title, which has sort of had that look um, for most of, his, most of its uh, existence... Um, it certainly seems like they're trying to sort of evoke some nostalgia with going for that like those really old school um world title belts or, or just title belts in general um it yeah i don't know i mean personally i don't like the design of the belt itself but i i understand why they're going with that aesthetic choice and the same could be said about the tag titles um yeah, I, I have less.
1: I have less of an issue with the tag titles. They, I don't know that they, they work as belts for me. But this just looks like a long piece of leather strap with a bit of tin kind of thrown on the front of it, and it just it looks, it just looks like it would put together in about five minutes.
0: Yeah, it, it does look like the. Um, it does look like the. Ta- I, I do agree with you. The tag belts do look a little better. Um, I don't know if that national title is sort of an actual replica of the old national title. Um, again, if it is, then I totally understand uh, why they would go with that look. But again, like, I'm not, not a huge fan, but I can sort of understand and appreciate sort of what they're going for. They're obviously trying to evoke sort of more nostalgia on the NWA side. So uh, honestly, I, I, I again, I, I don't like it, but I don't really care about it that much.
1: I mean, it is just a belt, but for some reason, for some reason, that one belt, and I, I you know, I don't really care too much about belt designs, but that one really stuck out to me for some reason when I first saw it, uh, when it was uh, announced last year. Um, anyway, I think also part of it is that the belt I had more to say about than this match itself. Um, I, I appreciated that um, Cornet at the start of the match was kind of building this story around that Colt uh, Cabana spent a lot of his year um, being more of a, an entertainer than a wrestler. And was looking to kind of really turn himself around, uh, particularly coming off of the back of his uh, recent stint in New Japan, um, and to, to kind of wrestle more in a in a serious manner, uh, which he you know certainly did in this match. Um, but this match actually didn't go that long. I uh, was really surprised actually that this went just under ten minutes, um, and it ended with uh, Cabana getting a Superman pin out of nowhere. Um, also made more surprising by, you know, Willie Mack's kind of story with this uh, championship was his claim that he was going to defend it in, in all 50 plus states uh, and he made it to six. Um I don't know if that's to do with kind of contractual reasoning but with him being in impact um and, and any kind of confliction there because, you know, he's been on uh, the Ring of Honor television lately. He had that tag match with him right. against the Briscoes. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's kind of, you know, he's he's going between promotions at the moment. And I don't know if this is more of a sign that Impact have kind of locked him up on a more permanent basis. But uh, I was very surprised by this change.
0: Well, um, and and not, I'm not going to spoil anything here because I think Joe Lanza uh, tweeted about this on the VOW account. There is, I think there was a contractual reason for William Mac losing but it wasn't something involving impact um i i think he said i think joe city was going to talk about it on a podcast so i won't spoil it here i'll sort of leave that to him i'll leave that that's his scoop and i'll you know i'll let him break that himself so we right, We'll put uh, this
1: show behind the paywall as well <laughs>
0: um but yeah it, it, if if that was if that is indeed the case though that's that's unfortunate that they had to cut his trailer off short um but if they were going to have him lose it to someone, then Cole Cabana's not a bad choice. It's a safe um, choice. Yes, yes, and I actually really enjoyed the match. I, that was really good for the you know the time that I got. Um, you know, I like that. I think it's always a great story that you can tell with Cabana. That oh yeah, this guy's a he's Mister Funny. He can do some comedy wrestling, but when he when he when he wants to, he could turn it on. And he's an actually uh, a serious wrestler. And it, it, I guess in some ways. A dangerous wrestler but not in the way that you would think more so sort of like i guess sort of like zack saber jr not on the submission side but on like he can, he's got like six or seven different pin combinations that he can catch you in yeah like just out of nowhere and um and particularly the superman press pin that he's been using has been obviously really effective for him and they got him win here um but i uh, yeah i thought it was a really good match and uh It'll it'll be interesting to see what Cole Cabana does with the belt. Um, Maybe we'll see some more defenses on Ring of Honor's shows. Um, But yeah, no, should be interesting. And the match, again, was uh, pretty good.
1: Yeah, I I definitely think that um, one benefit you could have with that is certainly for for both Ring of Honor and NWA in terms of exposure. Um, They could use this on Ring of Honor, kind of, I guess. Well, I mean, they have the television title, but some kind of quote-unquote intercontinental-type B-tier uh, championship on on the, the program. Um, but after we had, of all people, James Storm uh, arrived. And uh, I, haven't, I haven't really thought of James Storm. I know he turned up on NXT for one show, and then he was back in Impact like a month later. And uh, I don't really know. I know he was in ICW, I want to say, earlier this year or late last year. Um, but he came out. He congratulated Cabana. Um, he ran down NWA about uh, wanting a world champ in fancy suits and not being someone like James Storm, and uh, and he we he challenged Cole Cabana. So at some point we're going to get James Storm and Cole Cabana in a match that I didn't expect to see in 2019.
0: Yeah, I'm not entirely sure when that match is going to take place. Uh, maybe on some. You know other indie show or maybe on the end NW- on the uh, NWA's next show, whatever that might be. But yeah, it certainly seemed like they're setting up a uh, James Storm and Colt Cabana. Um, I guess not not a total surprise that they're using James Storm, he seems like one of those other uh TNA guys like Nick Aldis, who uh Billy Corgan, I guess, is you know very familiar with and still obviously uh uses in some form or fashion. So, um yeah, I'm. I'm not entirely excited for the match. Um, she'll be fine, but yeah, yeah, it's just so weird seeing James Storm in 2019.
1: Yeah, just because he 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 definitely gone quiet for a few years, and I I really like James Storm um, back in the day, and I I do think that it's we've kind of passed the point where I can expect anything too exciting out of him. Um, but he, you know, he cuts a hell of a promo. And uh, I'm at least happy for him to to have a bit of a presence somewhere. And uh, if he's a free agent, then it makes sense for the NWA to to use him in this capacity. So, you know, it makes sense, if nothing else. Um, We had uh, uh, Nikita Kolov, we had Magnetier, again, kind of this whole thing with... Some of the older NWA stars uh, talking about the Crockett Cup, which is, you know, adds a little bit of importance and emphasis to the Crockett Cup. uh, So that's always good. Um, And then we had the finals uh, of the Crockett Cup slash NWA Tag Team Championship match as the team of Royce Isaacs and Bram uh, took on Villain Enterprises. And again, talking about matches that this makeshift team of Isaacs and Bram dragging down the other opponents. uh, This match was here. Again, like uh, PCO was doing a job of selling his arm after the the his arm being pulmonized in the Briscoes match, um, he got a tag in and he starts screaming at Brody King like "Come fix my arm, come fix my arm." So uh... a
0: hard tumble for Kyle. Hi there. <laughs> oh, sorry. Did yeah. that come through? <laughs> yeah, it came through. Yeah. Sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> that's right. Um, um,
1: and Brody yeah, King said so he. he...
0: Checking something on my phone. Oh, that was
1: right. my... Bad. I'm sorry. No, you're right. No worries. Um, so he popped uh, PCO's shoulder back into place, um, which was a spot that I enjoyed. And uh, again, so Medusa was out with with Isaacson uh, Bram for this as well. And I, I don't was, know. Oh,
0: was she, though? Because it, it looked like she just came out. She did come out with them, but I didn't see her at all at ringside. No, no.
1: And that's the thing. Again, the whole thing, like, it just... The whole thing of Medusa this evening felt like something that was put together at the last minute, and they didn't really put too yeah. much uh, thought into it.
0: Yeah, and it didn't. It didn't, really didn't seem like she was that
1: into it. it. Didn't,
0: yeah, it didn't <laughs> seem like she was that into it either.
1: Um, but yeah, even for this match being as uh, you know, it went shy of seven minutes. Um, I still think that P.C.O. Uh, was just still a blast in this uh, when he came in. Um, just absorbing strikes, just hitting clotheslines, lines, just being a fucking madman. Um, and we ended with PCO hitting his moonsault uh, for the win in uh, 6 minutes 40 seconds. Yeah, a pretty weak match to end the tournament on. Uh, I think that the tournament overall was, was pretty decent. We had some pretty good matches. This was definitely one of the weaker ones. Um, but your new NWA Tag Team Champions in 2019, Brody King and PCO, what do you make of that, Sean?
0: Um like I said earlier it's just sort of surreal that PCO in the span of or I guess basically since he signed with Ring of Honor at the tail end of last year has won 3 sets of tag titles in a 4 month span it's it's really it's really incredible honestly um and if you're Brody King he's won I think he's won four sets of tag team titles because I know he ha- he's I think he's still holding a tag title with Marty Skrull from some Australian promotion, because I, I know they had a picture back when they were still World Tag Team Champions in Ring of Honor, uh, with all their belts, and Marty and uh, Brody had a belt. I guess it was some from or was from some Australian promotion that they worked that they won the tag titles for. So I guess the, uh, even more successful for Brody King than even PCO. But no, I, I think as I guess as the tournament as a whole. Um, I guess you could say that anything that or most of the stuff that did not involve uh, Isaacs and Latimer was good and anything that involved them was not good. Um, The match, you know, was just it was literally just like you said, or as you described earlier, uh, the heel team just had was beating up Brody King for a couple minutes. PCO tagged in. uh, Brody King fixed his arm. And then they basically won the match like two minutes later after running through Isaacs and Latimer. So honestly, that, that might have been the weakest match or one of the weakest matches on the entire show. Maybe of the entire tournament, I'm not really sure. Um, yeah, the, it was just, like I said, the Heels dominated. And as soon as PCO got his arm picks, they won shortly thereafter. So, but I'm glad... That uh Isaacs and uh Lamar didn't go all the way and win
1: can you can you fucking imagine if that had happened? Uh I didn't that have,
0: would have been wild.
1: I, I didn't have anything with these two uh going over two stars throughout this entire tournament. Just yeah, just really a a, a, a dud of a tag team. Um hopefully we don't have to see anything more of this. Uh, if if NWA wanna push this further, then more power to them, but uh, there, there was nothing here. In these four matches that they were part of, that showed me.
0: I, I suppose that maybe they wanted. I, I guess they wanted a heel team to sort of have this run, but it, it's sort of weird in, in a couple of different ways. Because if you okay, if you want heels, why not use the Briscoes um, in that spot? Um, and, and, and then it's just why would you have sort of the wild card team that makes a miracle miracle run in the tournament be heels? It just sort of, it's just. Very, it's very odd to me um, that they went as far as they did, um, and and maybe maybe their their idea is to establish them because they're going to be a team regularly for NWA going forward. Um, you could have even had uh, the uh, War Kings play that role, and they probably would have been better than than these two. But if they're not teaming, if Isaacs and uh, Bram aren't like teaming in sort of NWA related stuff going beyond this then I really don't see what the point of all this was, putting them together and having this run, because there were a variety of different options you could have gone with. I pretty
1: much agree with everything there. Yeah, Uh, it it seemed like a waste adventure. And even if you didn't want to have like two RH teams, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like You had the walkings there to to fill that if needed. So, um, you know, up and down this card, there wasn't too much in the way of booking that was questionable, but this was definitely the thing that, stood out, uh, glaringly so. Um, finally, on to our main event, the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Nick Aldis was defending against his longtime friend, Marty Skell, and uh, their whole £10 of gold um, video clip, uh, I think they did a very good job in discussing the, the friendship between these two, um, talking and, and discussing how you know, Marty Skull got himself into this match, and it was. We saw more of, of Marty Skull just being Marty Skull and less of the, the kind of villain persona, but he was, you know, talking about the villain persona and, you know, just that that is part of him. Um, it, it's amazing, and I think I said this over last week or the week before that Nick Aldis uh, as a wrestler is serviceable, but I wouldn't say great by any means, but I do think that. He has a low-key charisma presence about him that, for this role, as him being the the guy to be, you know, the guy in this promotion, I think he's carrying himself pretty well, and more so than I think a lot of people give him credit for.
0: Yeah, no, it, it it's weird, because you don't really associate... Uh, I always want to call him Magnus. Like, it, it's Magnus. It's fucking Magnus. Nick, yeah, yeah, Nick Aldis. It's always weird... To associate him, you know, because he's—he's not—he's not, he's not a—I I guess he's a like you said—he's a, a serviceable wrestler. Yet in the last year, he's had two very strong matches that had a lot of sort of background and story going into them, and that really over over delivered on people's expectations. Because um, again, it, it's not like we see sort of this kind of match from Magnus all the time. Um, it's really just been the match with Cody from All-In and this match with uh, Marty Skrull. Surprisingly good match between these two. Um, I would say it was right behind the the opening tag match with Bandito at Flip Gordon for Match of the Night for me. I still thought it was, again, it was shockingly great considering it was Nick Aldis in there. Um, I thought the story was sort of interesting where they... I guess in a way, be- betraying Nick, all this as the babyface a little bit. Kind of, yeah. The dynamic
1: did seem a little bit interesting because uh, so, uh, Aldis took. A, he he did a, a blade job in this match, and he, you know, he there was a fair amount of blood there as well. Like, oh yeah, uh, a lot a, of blood, a surprising mm-hmm. degree that I wouldn't expect. I guess you know, in twenty nineteen, that any kind of uh, juice is is always a bit of a surprise to see. Um, but he, you know, he did a number to himself. And, yeah, it was a bit interesting that he was, um, I guess he did come across as the baby face in regards in that way. Um, but he wasn't, I wouldn't say he was fighting from underneath. Um, it, well, I don't,
0: know, I don't know if he if he necessarily, like, came off to the crowd as the baby face. But I guess he was more booked to be more of the baby face, um, where sort of uh, he, he, Had Camille go to the back when she tried to interfere, Um, and you know Marty was the one who tried to cheat to win. Um, Yeah, so it was. It it did feel like the crowd was more behind Marty, obviously, which I guess isn't a surprise and something you would expect. But and just some of the ways it was sort of put laid out, it just seemed that they were trying to present Nick Aldis as the, I guess, the valiant babyface in this match, despite the fact that the story was more or I guess the story coming in was more oh marty can't win the big one in like the world title matches.
1: Yeah, it it the the dynamic and, and the story being told before the match and what they did during the match. There there was a bit of a a juxtaposition between the two, but um I, hey these two worked hard and and I I will give Aldis all the credit in the world for uh for this match, you know. Uh I he has had a fair amount of criticism that he's just he's just a guy, just a, a wrestler. But he he has this role and he has this this position as as the world's champion for this promotion for NWA. And if he can continue to have matches like this, and if he can continue to kind of build these stories that he's been having, um, uh, you know, I'm not saying that we're going to get the NWA being this prominent promotion in in the 21st century, but. Uh, you know, I I will be more than happy to continue to watch these kinds of performances and these stories if it's more stuff like this.
0: Yeah, um, again, it's, it's 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 a interesting decision to build your promotion around Nick Aldis of all people, but as we talked about a little bit a couple of minutes ago, in the two biggest title matches he's had, uh, the two I guess the two highest profile title matches that he's had, he's, he's sort delivered. of. yeah he's delivered now i don't know if that you i don't know if that's something you'd give like a lot of credit to all this for um you know because in both those matches he was in there with uh, with opponents who are either really good or really over in their particular environment um and maybe you could say it's sort of the booking sort of helped out a little bit too but yeah no he he's delivered in his role perfectly in those two matches um it's just everything else that's kind of i guess the A little bit of an issue but you know i do think he he, he's i actually do compare him a little bit to cody when cody was world champion in ring of honor where outside the ring he carries himself very well and he absolutely comes off as a world champion it's just he doesn't necessarily more often than not he doesn't totally deliver in the ring um though i I will say that all this in his two in the, the two matches we just mentioned the one with cody and the one with uh, Marty Scurll, I thought both of those matches were better than anything Cody had during his world title reign. So take that for what it's worth.
1: I'm trying to off the top of my head uh, remember. Because
0: I, I, was, I was not a big fan of Cody's title reign at all.
1: No, it, he didn't have anything... Like I enjoyed the story, and like having the actual literal ring of honor um and yeah, I agree with you, like a lot of these outside of the ring stuff was good, um but yeah, I can't think of any matches off the top of my head like, like uh,
0: if, if, if Cody was just and I – preface this because uh, i I remember hearing that I guess uh Cody wasn't necessarily uh I, I guess he was he was joking around with Joe and Rich, but he wasn't happy with something i said about his match from final battle against Jay lethal um this past year but i just feel like cody is someone who i think if he was just even a i don't think he needs to be even a great wrestler if he was just a marginally better wrestler than what he is now i think he would be considered like one of the best wrestlers in the world as a complete package um both inside and outside of the ring it's just the, the in ring is just for him, it's just he can he can have his moments when it comes to like singles matches. More often than not, there's just something missing there, it's it's, it's lacking a little bit. He could be good, but especially when he's like the heel, it it can be really tedious. Um, the one match that always sticks out into my mind is the tunnel defense he had against Sonata in England, where it was a 20 minute match where the first 10 minutes was just Cody stalling on the floor, and it was just a really it's like how could you have a like a sub two star match with sonata cody somehow managed it so
1: well that whole dynamic was weird for a number of reasons but that's that's a story for another day um overall thoughts on this show cuz i have to say that uh going in i didn't I wasn't like you know mad high expectations but i was expecting this to be a pretty decent show and i think that overall like this flew by you know it didn't drag for me um everything was uh, i i guess i was a little bit concerned that maybe the main event um because it was a world title match could could maybe have been a bit slower points but overall this show kind of flew by for me and and i thoroughly enjoyed this from top to bottom
0: yeah um actually it was an, an uh, interesting situation for me because uh i had actually uh been out on saturday night i was with my dad we were out just hanging out seeing a monster truck show at uh, my local arena, my local hockey arena, which little side note still amazes me that they could fit those massive things in like a hockey arena, which you know those things aren't that big. But I have um, to say
1: that is the most American thing we've had on this show so far. Be said.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. It's just monster <laughs> trucks. Monster in trucks
1: in and ice hockey arena. That is.
0: It's it, it's tight. It's very tight. <laughs> but um, no, yeah. I well, I guess what that was leading to is I like the fact that with the pay per view, um, I expected that oh I could probably watch it in progress but no i was even though it was still going on live i was able to just go back on honor club and watch right from the beginning which helped me out a lot i watched the first half last night and i watched the uh the second half this morning but so i guess that made it a little easier to watch for me because i wasn't watching it one straight shot but um yeah i thought i thought it was a good show overall you did have two i would say two great matches um i guess if we're talking stars. Um, I went four and a quarter on the Bandito Flip Gordon tag match against team CM CML. And then I went four flat on the main event. Um and then I gave three and a half to a couple other matches on the card, stuff like, you know, uh Kojima, the Kojima Nagata match, or uh the national title match, which again I liked a lot with Willie Mack and Cole Cabana. Um but then you had stuff that were pretty, pretty much everything that involved uh Latimer. And Royce Isaacs that really just dragged the show down, and everything they were that they were involved in was not very good. Um, so I, I, again, I feel like if they had if they booked the tournament differently, or just had a different team in that spot, like the War Kings. Um, I I don't know how good the War Kings are as a team, but I feel like that they probably could have played that role as heels better, a lot better than you know Latimer and Royce Isaacs could have, and they're. I'd imagine they're at least a little bit better than those two. But, um, yeah, so the match quality seemed to jump all over the place depending on the match. Um, But there were certainly a lot of... Basically, if you skip everything that did not involve uh, Isaacs and uh, Bran, the show was pretty good.
1: Yeah, I definitely think uh, the one thing I would have changed is I would have... Maybe had uh, the boys win the battle royal, and then have the War Kings come out, and just murder them in two minutes, and just you know yeah. get that whole thing out of the way. But um, I had a bunch of three star matches up and down the card, and I also went four flat on the main event. Uh, and so you know, if you end the show on four stars, you you've done a good job. Uh, so yeah, the the Crockett Cup uh, from me gets a thumbs up, and uh, if you're in any way inclined to watch, I would give it I'd give it a recommendation. <laughs> Uh, Before we sign off, we'll do a little bit more talk on the War of the Worlds tour that's coming up, as we've got a whole bunch of stuff that's been announced. Um, I did announce some of the the Buffalo card last week, but I'll go back over it because some more stuff has been announced. Uh, We have uh, the Kingdom of Vinnie Marcelli and TK Ryan against the team of Carl Fredericks and Clark Connors from the uh, New Japan Dojo in LA. Uh, We have Alex Coughlin versus PJ Black. This match, I'm not too sure about being Shane Taylor against Hikuleo. That could be really, really bad. Um, so I hope Shane Taylor has his working boots on because,
0: yeah. And that's a weird one too because that's uh, that's heel versus heel technically too. So. <sighs> yeah, jeez, <that>, <laughs> why?
1: Well, that that will happen. Uh, this could be really good though. Mark Haskins and Tracy Williams against Evil and Sonada. Uh, I'm, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Uh, Roosh, in his latest squash, against Silas Young. Uh, Bandido and Flip Gordon, which should be good. Uh, we get uh, Nagata and Kojima up against uh, Villain Enterprises again, but this time in a six-man tag, as it'll be Jeff Cobb and Nagata and Kojima against the whole Villain Enterprises. And then what will likely be the main event, the Gorillas of De- uh, Destiny, uh, defending their roh world tag team championships just the roh belts against the team of gresham and jay lethal who uh, got this shot from the anniversary show uh i think that card overall looks pretty solid other than that shane taylor Hikulea match
0: yeah i think the young line matches should be really good um i re- remember um uh, over wrestlemania weekend i was at the Repro show where uh Connors and uh fredericks actually had a really good match with uh uh, cck of uh chris books chris brooks and uh jonathan gresham yeah
1: yeah i very
0: very strong opener on that rough rush
1: we we spoke about that and um i was saying that i was hoping that we'd see more from the the young lions uh in ring of honor because i think they'd be a really good addition to the card so i'm really
0: happy to see oh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's good good to see those guys um, Evil and Sonata versus uh, the Lifeblood team should be really good as well. Although, um, I guess my, my concern with Haskins and Williams is that I, I guess they're the, with uh, David Finlay out with an injury, they're sort of the tag team of Lifeblood now. But it feels like I don't, it just feels like they're losing a little bit too much. I don't know, or they're being put in positions where you know they're probably going to lose. Um, so, uh, I mean, I, again, the match should be really good, but I'm not sure where they're going with Haskins and Williams, per se. Um, and the rest of the card looks pretty good. Um, obviously, I think the main event is probably a foregone c- conclusion since uh, they're having a title defense with G.O.D. and the Briscoes later on in the tour. Um, I, know, I think the top half of that card looks looks pretty solid. I think all those matches should be pretty good.
1: Yeah, uh, and then we also have the Toronto show. Uh, we've got, again, Haskins and Tracy Williams are going up against the Briscoes. And yeah, I kind of go uh, I'm with you that there's a good chance that um, this lifeblood team could be losing a fair few times over this tour. Uh, we've got Eugene Nagata against Silas Young in one of those matches that you just kind of go, huh, that's happening. Uh, we have a four corners match with um, Brodie King, Shane Taylor, Jeff Cobb in Hiroki Goto. Uh, which should be very physical, and I'm mildly curious to see how that one turns out. Uh, We've got Jay Lethal against Tashi Kojima, uh, which I very much look forward to seeing. And then our main event, Matt Taven, in his first defense of the RH World Championship since winning it at the G1 Supercard, is up against PC Motherfucking-O. This card looks a bit random at certain points on paper. The likes of Hiroki Goto being thrown into a four corner survival match. I'm very intrigued to see how he approaches that. Um but that main main event, I can imagine PCO in Canada, that crowd is going to be molten for that match.
0: Uh, yeah, I think it's a, a very smart decision to put that match in Canada. Um obviously they haven't run Ring of Honor hasn't run its show in Quebec. In like oh gosh, it feels like a decade since they've run a show up there. They they run a couple up up there, uh, but it's been a long time. But I guess you know Toronto is probably the closest they're going to get. Uh, you know, it, it, if it was if it was in somewhere like Quebec, it's like Montreal, it would have been a lot. I think there would be even more crowd heat there since that's where PCO is actually from. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah. T- Toronto, perfect spot for that title match. I did think that the uh, promo that Matt Taven did. Uh, mocking PCO's uh, latest um, like training montage, I guess you can call it. Uh, I don't know if you saw this where PCO they did the promo where PCO, uh, or I guess Destro had P, uh, PCO lay on the ground and he drove a car on top of him. And uh, Matt Taven did a retort promo where he had uh, this, basically the same idea, but he had a little girl drive one of those like little kitty cars on top of him. <laughs> That, that that was pretty funny. I've not seen it. that
1: yet. Oh, let's go and check that out.
0: Yeah, I think it, I think it showed up on Twitter at some point. It okay. was it was pretty funny. Um, yeah, I think the top like Buffalo. I think the top half of this card looks really good. Um, Lethal Kojima should be really good. The four way match has the potential to be a lot of fun, um, especially since you got guys like Brody King and Shane Taylor, who I feel like if they if those guys were in New Japan more regularly. Feels like they would be in the Never Openweight division. Seems like they would fit right in with that sort of style. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see what else. Uh, Silas Young versus Nagata, that should be really good. Um, Briscoes versus one should be really good. And then, I don't know, did you mention the Roche match? Because I know there were a couple other matches announced for this as well. No, so there's probably more that's been announced, but
1: trying to find like four complete cards uh, can <clears throat> sometimes actually, be a bit tricky.
0: Yeah, I actually do have it in front of me. I was oh, I pulled it up before we started. So they added... Uh, Rouge versus PJ Black, okay. which I presume is another Rouge. It's just Rouge going
1: through the entire roster at the moment until yeah. they decide to pull the trigger on a title match.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have uh, Evil Sonata versus uh, uh, Vinny Marseglia, and TKL Ryan from the Kingdom, which I guess sort of continues this. Uh, I, I forget. If, I I forget if Naito well actually. Yeah, they did. So I know on the Honor Rising Tour, they had a little brief interaction with uh, Taven and Naito in a tag match. So I guess it, that continues that thing a little bit. And I also think they had, for actually now that I remember, they did have a little bit of interactions on the Global Wars Tour last year. Um, when it was, I think Naito was in a tag match with the Kingdom. So that sort of continues that.
1: Is it mad to say? That even though as much as I love Tetsuya Naito, I would be much more interested in this Taven PCO match than I would possibly be in a Taven Naito match.
0: Um so so you're saying you're more interested in Taven PCO than oh, yeah. Naito Taven? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um yeah, Am I crazy for thinking that? Um I
1: think it's just because I'd expect Naito just just to dog that match in. I can't imagine he I would fully expect to see T shirt Naito for that match.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. Um, and then the only other match they have announced is uh, basically G.O.D. and Hikaleo versus uh, the Young Lions, all three of them in a six-man tag, which I'm sure that'll be fun. It'll pretty much be like anything you would see in Japan. You just substitute the New Japan or the uh, L.A. Dojo Young Lions for uh, uh, Ren Narita and... Uh, Shota Umino, yeah. and Yorosuji, and Yuu uh, Yumura. Uh, like, basically, it's just, like, something you would see in Japan, but just substituting the all dojo guys in there. So, I'm sure that'll be that'll be a, a fun little, like, squash opener for G.O.D.
1: Yeah, I think up and down this card, like, I, I've heard some people talking about, Al, um, oh, there's no Tanahashi, there's no Akada, like, none of those names have been announced yet, but... For me, I am I would rather see the likes of uh, a Kojima or a Nagata get on these shows because I'd expect them to put in just to not to say that an Akata isn't going to work hard, but you know, um, I think that Kojima is going to take more out of this than he would, than an Akata would, because just you know, um, at this point, Kojima isn't getting off of the, the undercard of any kind of New Japan uh card, so uh, I I'd, I'd rather see the likes of goto's and kojima's and those those types of talents on these cards but i don't know if that's just me and obviously if you're there live you probably do want to see a tanahashi and akada so from that perspective i can see where the disappointment would be but um i'm liking the, yeah. the way these cards are being built up
0: yeah i mean honestly uh i honestly think that guys like kojima and nagata should have been brought over you know gosh like two or three years ago Oh yeah definitely. Um, if, if I was sort of organizing these tours, what I would do is I would have... So I, I think what happened is that in the early years that they were doing this, they really front-loaded... Like, Well, like in hindsight, they front-loaded sort of those original tours with your Okadas, your Tanahashis, your Nakamuras. Um, which, I, from a business sense, makes perfect right. sense. yeah, yeah, because you wanted to get introduced into that market, and the best way to do that is with uh, your um, your biggest names, Um, but on the downside, sort of set expectations a little too high, um, for what to expect in future years. Um, especially now that new Japan is running the U S more on their own, they're trying to sort of keep their top names more exclusive to their shows, which is totally understandable. Um, but I guess the way I would have done it is I would just have, you know, one top star and then just, you know, a bunch of like sort of guys in the mid card, like your Kojima's your Nagata's, your Godo's. Sort of just to fill things out. Um, I honestly, I think that that would have been a better strategy as opposed to just sort of just bringing in all big names at once. But um, no, i honestly, I have no problem with seeing Kojima and Nagata. I just wish it was, you know, when they were two or three years younger. And they're still good now. Don't get me wrong, but and I, I would love if I was any any of these talents. I would love to see them live. Um I just think that like those guys in particular are names that should have been brought over a while ago.
1: Yeah, we had um we had Kojima and Goto over um in so I live in in Ireland and they were over on the an ott show last year and uh yeah just seeing Kojima live even at this point I was I was hyped for. So um yeah for anyone who's not had a chance to see him live, this is a really good time to do it, and I hope you do. Um cool okay so that is that is this show nice and neatly wrapped up uh we'll catch up with the the television reviews for for next week um
0: did you uh did you want to go over uh, the other cards real quick well, yeah
1: absolutely go ahead
0: go ahead um, i don't know do you have those cards in front of you i i do but i don't uh,
1: have them in front of me at the moment no.
0: okay so i know i know the the third show on the tour which is the grand rapids michigan show um I, I've seen it got a, uh, I've seen it get trashed a little bit. I, I, it's sort of the weakest lineup that I've seen so far. But I could just go through it real quick. Um, I guess just going from. Would you rather me just go from bottom to top or yeah, top to bottom? From bottom to top. Okay, so I guess the the, uh, the opener or what's listed as the opener is Coast to Coast versus Alex Coughlin and Carl Fredericks, which I'm sure will be a pretty good match. Coast to Coast are uh, they're a pretty good tag team, and the Young Lions are obviously very good, so that should be fun. Uh, then they have the bouncers of uh, Brian Malonis and City Bruiser versus Evil and Sonata from L.I.J., which I'm sure that'll be a, a, a pretty solid match. Um, then they have Clark Connors versus Cheeseburger, which just seems like a match to me that's tailor-made for Bully Ray to come down and just do some stupid segment. Um then they got a 4 corner survival match with the winner getting a shot at the Ring of Honor world title with uh, Roosh, Tracy Williams, PJ Black, and Eli Isom. And I don't know about you, but this match screams to me that Roosh is pinning Eli Isom. Um, but I, whoever he pins, I think Roosh is winning this match, and this is probably setting up his world title match, which could be on the next pay-per-view. Um, I guess we'll see. It feels like they're definitely setting up for Roosh versus Taven at some point.
1: I I see this actually more of as a chance for um, either Black or Williams, maybe more Black, to get a a title shot, but put it in a place where Mm. Roosh doesn't have to take a pin. Um, Because, I don't know, I feel like maybe it's too soon to do the Roosh title match.
0: Yeah, I I, I guess we'll see. I mean, I I think that Roosh-Taven is definitely happening at some point. I guess it's just a matter of of when it happens.
1: Uh, are we like definitely just saying that the Skull win is never going to happen now?
0: <sighs> I don't know. Um, yeah, it, it feels weird. So he lost both of his title matches this month, and it, it's really, I really have no idea where he's going from here. I mean, I know he's doing the best of the Super Juniors, and that's really his next big thing that he's doing. But in Ring of Honor. Um, yeah, I I I got no clue to be honest where he goes from here, um, with only I guess a couple months uh, left on his contract. Um, but the, I guess the rest of the card for this Grand Rapids show just to go through it real quick. Um, so uh, they have the King a six man tag with the Kingdom, all three members of the Kingdom against uh, God and Hikuleo, which I'm not looking forward to that match very much. No, mm-hmm, no. no. Then they have a Women of Honor World title match with Kelly Klein against Stacey Shadows, um, which I'm not expecting to be a very good match either. Um, So they have the semi main event listed as a if PCO wins, he'll defend the title here match. Uh, Mark Haskins versus PCO, which I I think has the potential to be pretty good.
1: I'm really curious to see how that so, like, Haskins is is uh he's a smaller uh, wrestler he's, he's not the biggest guy out there. Uh what a weird fucking uh, the, the thing is you can say this about any pco match in 2019 you look at any matches on and you think that's a weird fucking match but Haskins pco is a weird match just from a number of aspects like size and dynamics but yeah mm-hmm. I, i'm Haskins is one of my favorite wrestlers so i and i love pco so sure why not let's do that
0: yeah and then the main event just seems like they shoved everyone else on the card into this match. It's uh, Jay Lethal, Jeff Cobb, Goto, Kojima, and Nagata against Bully Ray, Shane Taylor, Sus Young, and the Briscoes, which I'm sure that has the potential to be a, like a wild, like ten man tag. Like the ma- the main event of that show is good, and Haskins versus PCO should be pretty good. The rest of that card, mm, yeah. I don't
1: know. It, that's a really weak-looking card compared to the, the Buffalo and yeah. uh, Toronto shows, definitely.
0: Yeah, and then they have the TV taping coming up in Chicago. By the way, yes, that's a TV taping, apparently, uh, for those of you who are interested. So that means it's probably going to be a very long show. Um, the only matches they have announced, uh, we, we alluded to this a little earlier, but they have uh, the Girls of Destiny defending the World Tag Team titles against J. Mark Briscoe um and inter- very interesting choice for this show they have kojima and nagata against evil and sonata in just a straight new japan match just two new japan guys against two new japan guys um I, I i don't know about you i think that could be a really good match it's just weird that they're doing just a straight new japan new japan match on this show
1: yeah i mean i i guess it's a case of um You know, I'd imagine Evil and Sonata will go over here. I don't know if at some point they're going to be setting up Evil and Sonata for another IWG tag title match. Um, Because, you know, Kojima and Nagata can lose this with no kind of fuss. So I guess for New Japan, in in terms of the politics, this is just a very easy match for them to put together.
0: Right. And then actually, uh, one more match... uh and apologies, my dog is barking off in the background. You can probably hear it. So that that that's not that's just not anything new to uh VOW listeners, uh, if you listen to the flagship with uh, Rich and Joe and their dogs. Yeah. But, um so the last match that was actually, I think, just announced today is another New Japan New Japan match. It's Hiroki Goto versus Hikaleo. There you go. Mm.
1: That, <laughs> that, that, is that, that is there, that is a match. Can, can confirm that is a match.
0: Oh, I I am actually in, I'm I will be intrigued to see how much Goto can get out of Hikaleo. Uh I
1: I like Goto, but he's gonna have to have his work and shoes on for that one.
0: I I think I think that's I could be wrong, but I feel like that's um, Hikuleo's like real first match against a um, like a mainline New Japan star. Like, not somebody like Mikey Nichols, Mikey Nichols. <laughs> or something like that, but uh, no, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that much, I mean, it, it, it's Godot, it could be good, you never know, but...
1: I, I'm going to go on the side of it could be possible.
0: Yes, it could be possible. <laughs> yes, but yeah. that that's, between, that's what's been announced so far for the TV tapings. Uh, I guess sometimes they really don't tend to announce anything or a lot of things in advance for those tapings, but um looks like a pretty decent lineup there so far it'll be interesting to see how the ticket sales do for that show because that is the same venue that they did that big gate two years ago with that kenny omega yoshihashi match for uh global wars so it'll be interesting to see how many people they're able to draw in that venue um but yeah that that's the last stop on the tour
1: yeah we've come a long way since then and uh did yeah, there's obviously there's no Kenny Omega here so I'm I'm curious to see how it does from uh, a Live Gate attendance but I do think that some of the the cards that we have on this tour are certainly like the the Toronto show and that Buffalo show they're two very strong cards and uh, and I hope they do well with them the TV taping so far I mean, I'm curious. By the Briscoes and Gorillas, Gorillas a destiny match. I think that the build up for that has been really good. I think their Twitter feud, um, even though the term Twitter feud still makes me kind of cringe, uh, I think the promos they've gone back and forth with have been very, very strong. Uh, so, yeah,
0: yeah, that that that's using social media for wrestling in a good way.
1: Yes, yes, doesn't always happen, doesn't often always happen, but when it's done, it can be done well. Uh, look at Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. um exactly yeah okay so cool um with that i think we've wrapped up everything we need to do um sean i want to thank you very much for, for coming on uh and being a part of this with me um by all means if you have anything you need to promote link pub, publish now is the time to do so
0: all right so you can follow me on twitter at SACDOR two nine nine four um if you've been following my Twitter over this past weekend, you'll know that it's been a, a pretty uh, busy but enjoyable one for me. Uh, I got out of work early on Monday, or not Monday. I got out of work early on Friday to go see Endgame, Avengers Endgame, and I tweeted a little bit about that. I uh, tweeting about all the different racing stuff I've seen this weekend. And um, if, you, if you're a fan of racing at all, you'll see a lot of that over the weekends. Um, and you can follow my wrestling thoughts there as well. Um, you can check out my work at Voices Wrestling uh, I'm I guess the Ring of Honor guy who does a lot of the Ring of Honor reviews um, occasionally doing stuff for New Japan jumping in on the WWE pay-per-view reviews every so often um, I also write the Ring of Honor pay-per-view recaps for Fighting Spirit Magazine so you can check those out um, I'm actually going to be writing a recap for uh, this show the Crockett Cup just happened so you can look out for that in one of the upcoming issues of fighting spirit magazine um and then if you want to go to the bow forums uh i have a little thread set up in the plug section in the plugs section excuse me where i sort of go over uh the pay-per-views cards that i put together in my extreme warfare revenge scenario which is on uh 1998 wcw And actually, while I haven't posted up to this point yet, uh, I actually did complete 1998 um, over the weekend. And I'm actually now into 1999. So hopefully, or I'm hoping to uh, update the thread a little bit more often than I have. Um, But yeah, it's been a pretty cool little game thing. I always enjoy doing sort of that booking simulator stuff. So if you want to check that out, it's on the VOW forums. And I think... There's a lot of stuff to plug, but I think that's it. And uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, I would love to come on anytime you want me on.
1: Yeah, I, I, I still haven't really figured out how um, this is going to go week to week. Um, I'm just kind of running the ship on my own at the moment. But I've got a bunch of people say they want to come on and ch- chat with me because, uh, you know, we, we have no platform for Ring of Honor on the podcast side of things. So, uh, Sean, you are more than welcome to come on anytime you want. It would be a pleasure.
0: Yeah, no problem. It was a pleasure being on this show.
1: Cool. And, uh, yeah, thank you to anyone that's been listening. Uh, As always, you can uh, reach us on Twitter at The Honor Roll VOW. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you again next week.